This afternoon I preach you the Word of God concerning the Sixth Commandment. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall not murder. The church confesses the truth of this commandment in Lord's Day 40 of the Heidelberg Catechism. It's in the Book of Praise and you can find that on page 555 if you'd like to read along. <clears throat> Here the church confesses what does God require in the sixth commandment? I am not to dishonor, hate, injure, or kill my neighbor by thoughts, words, or gestures, and much less by deeds, whether personally or through another. Rather, I am to put away all desire of revenge. Moreover, I am not to harm or recklessly endanger myself. Therefore, also the government bears the sword to prevent murder. But does this commandment speak only of killing? By forbidding murder, God teaches us that he hates the root of murder, such as envy, hatred, anger, and desire of revenge, and that he regards all these as murder. Is it enough, then, that we do not kill our neighbor in any such way? No. When God condemns envy, hatred, and anger, he commands us to love our neighbor as ourselves, to show patience, peace, gentleness, mercy, and friendliness toward him, to protect him from harm as much as we can, and to do good even to our enemies. Beloved Church of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, it's against the laws of our land to murder someone. And although both are considered criminal offenses, the Canadian judicial system recognizes the difference between intentional killing and unintentional killing. And that sounds a lot like the Sixth Commandment. And the distinction in our laws between enmity and negligence looks a lot like the distinctions that we read about in Numbers 35. In addition to this, Canadian law recognizes that the motives of the heart are important. When a sentence is given, attention is paid to the heart of the criminal by looking and considering who they were willing to murder and by judging whether or not their act was premeditated, if they were lying in wait, and whether or not they are feeling remorse. The laws of our land also recognize the connection between the act of murder and the root of murder, which is hatred. Displaying hatred to another person is understood to be an infringement on their rights and a person can be charged for hate crimes. And that reminds us what scriptures explain concerning the Sixth Commandment as we confess that in Lord's Day 40 of the Heidelberg Catechism. I think that most citizens and rulers in our land would agree with the statement, you shall not murder. And I think that most would even agree with the statement, you shall not hate. So why do we face so much opposition 
when we seek to uphold the Sixth Commandment as Christians in our country? Well, a careful study shows that there are several reasons for the large differences between the application of the Sixth Commandment in our country and in the church. And the first reason having to do with our purpose in life is because the Bible teaches that we were made in God's image, image to love him and our neighbor even more than our own lives. The Canadian judicial system does not take into account God's call to all men to represent his will and his work in his plan in the world. And much of the initiative to protect human life in our country has different motives. The second reason having to do with the definition of a person is that the Bible teaches that human life begins at conception and ends when a person is no longer able to live on their own strength. This is starkly different than the criminal code section 238 that posits that an unborn child becomes a human being in the act of birth. And later, that people cease to be human beings worth protecting by the state when they have an incurable or irreversible illness, disease, or disability, or decline in capability, and they give consent to their death. The third reason, having to do with our responsibility to others, is that Christians apply God's command to love in the context of the gospel of salvation in Jesus Christ and eternal life for all who fear the Lord and who walk in his ways. Our society's definition of love does not have the promises of God in the picture, but rather it equates love with non-interference and the permission of every behavior that a person feels like doing or wants to do. And so in the tricky conversations of our day, we need to turn to God's word to hear his revelation about human life. And we need to receive guidance from the Holy Spirit on how we can show God's love to our neighbor. And this afternoon I preach to you the gospel of the sixth commandment under this theme. God breathed life into all human beings. We'll see the purpose of human life, the protection of human life, and the promotion of human life. If you open your Bible and you look in Genesis chapter 9, verses 5 to 6, the Lord explains that it is wrong to take the life of another person because God made man in his own image. And that, that explanation points back to Genesis 2, verse 7, which was displayed on the wall as you were walking in today, where we read that the Lord God formed the man of the dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living creature. Life is from God. Life is a miracle. Every human being will live forever. Man's life is precious in the sight of God, as you can read about in Psalm 72. So precious, this is Genesis 9, that 
that even animals will be punished if they shed man's blood. Well, this is further clarified when we understand that God made man in his image. And so if we look at Genesis 1, verses 26 to 30, we see that to be created in God's image does not mean that we look like God. God is spirit. He is creator. He is holy, which, which means that he is wholly different than the creatures he formed to live in the world. Being created in God's image has to do with our task. It has to do with our, our calling. And it means that we were made to represent the will of God on the earth and to serve him as his subjects and agents. Human life was created by God and he gave this human life a specific task, a specific purpose. He made us to fulfill the task, to have dominion over the earth and develop it, to fill the earth, and to worship him. We are faithful image bearers when we do these things for his glory and according to the commandments in peace with God and with one another. Well, when they fell into sin, they rebelled against the Lord. Adam and Eve, first parents in paradise, they didn't cease to be human beings, creatures made by God. They remained human beings. They retained the image of God. And as a result, we say that all human beings from all tribes and, and all nations are still the image of God, image bearers. Everyone has the task of representing God here on the earth in love for their neighbor. For the sovereign God we worship gives to all mankind life and breath and everything else. You know that text that's Acts 17, verse 26. Everyone is accountable to the one who forms your hearts and bodies in your mother's womb, who writes the total number of your days in his book, like we sang in Psalm 56 and we will sing in Psalm 139. So you are made in the image of God. And to be made in the image of God is to be given dignity, to be given majesty on the earth as royal ambassadors, as, as vice regents of the Lord, the creator here in the earth. Noble kings and queens, that's, that's what the Bible says we, we are as we carry out our lives. And noble kings and queens, they give their lives for their people whom they consider as worthy and as valuable as themselves. Well, such a biblical view of the value of human life, it really stands out in our world. It stands out in, in the world where evolution theories have degraded human life saying that it's just a mere collection of cells that are controlled like machines by the unpredictable force of, of a, an imaginary power called chance. And applying this ungracious theory to real life, 
throughout the last decades, attempts are made to const are constantly made to categorize society according to their place in the birth canal, their race, their faith, their social class, their ability to contribute to society, and their willingness to defy God's will, which is often associated with the words progressive or, or woke. And anyone who doesn't fit into the prevailing ideas of what is considered fit for survival are cut, up, cut off and, and left alone to die. And as we as Christians cry out against the needless slaughter of around 125,000 unborn children every day around the world, over 41 million a year, along with many more so-called mercy killings of those who, who are unable to, to contribute to society. We can see what a drastic difference is made when people have a different definition of what a human being is. If our society were to understand the biblical truth that our existence as human beings is related to God's purpose for us and not related to our desire or ability to do what we want to do, well, they would discover that many more people are human beings that God wants us to protect than the government of our country is willing to recognize. And so our prayer, as we understand that we're made in the image of God and every being is made in the image of God, our prayer is that God may open eyes and open hearts. May God's gracious purpose for forming human lives that will never end, may it be recognized. May God help his creatures to value the lives of one another enough to protect them against all harm. In his sovereign justice, we read in scriptures that God does protect all human beings. He protects the lives of everyone with a command, with a command revealed to all, a command against murdering others so that they can fulfill their task before God. The sixth commandment is further explained in Numbers 35 in which provisions are given so that everyone charged with murder has the opportunity to defend themselves with witnesses. And the definition of murder in this chapter, Numbers 35, it includes both the act of murder as well as the enmity or hatred that caused it. For whoever despises his neighbor is a sinner, says Proverbs 14, verse 21. And the Holy Spirit says very similar words in 1 John 3, verse 15. I'll read those. Everyone who hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. Our Lord Jesus teaches the same thing which we read in Matthew 5. You have heard 
that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. And whoever says you fool will be liable to the hell of fire. God protects human life by giving us a command. A command that includes the call to fight against the root of murder in our hearts, such as envy, this is what we confess, envy, anger, and the desire of revenge. God's high respect for human life is further illustrated in Numbers 35 when he gave his people cities of refuge that they needed to live in if they killed someone unintentionally or because of negligence. And what strikes us is that even when it was an accident, God values the life of the slain person so much that the person responsible for the other's death was not free to go about as if nothing had happened. A life had been lost. Someone who had a purpose before the Lord, his life had been taken. And so people, we read about that, they would have to be imprisoned in the city of refuge, even for accidentally killing someone, all the way up to the death of the, next high, of the high priest, which could be for many, many years. All it would take was one uncovered well, one careless worker, one thoughtless parent, one cost-saving measure on the job site. God's command was given to protect human life, not only from hatred, but also from selfish people who live without caring about the consequences in the lives of others. Numbers 35 reminds us that although you may not hate the people in the cars driving on the road around you, you show how little you value their lives when you drive recklessly. Well, in his mercy, the Lord established civil authorities to protect life through their judgments and their punishments. And although we strongly object to the minimalist definition of a human being in our criminal code, it should be said that the Canadian judicial system does a pretty good job to protect everyone that it does consider to be humans. We can be thankful for this because as Christians we believe the truth of Romans 13. We confess that the government bears the sword to prevent murder. We depend on their capability to do this. We also note as we're looking at the sixth commandment that Romans 13 speaks about the sword. The government bears the sword to prevent murder. The sword is an instrument that causes pain and death. And we learn that when God forbids murder, he does not forbid all killing or all physical correction. Any fighting or killing done by those who are given authority by God through legitimate authorities represents God's justice. It's not rebellion against God and his purpose for creating life. And so Christians willingly support defensive, just warfare against attacking enemies and impenitent murderers, as well as the restorative punishment for those who harm and kill in their weakness and desperation. 
seeing our neighbors as dignified image bearers of the sovereign God and desiring to reflect the love of Jesus Christ and, and fearlessly trusting in our own eternal life, we also are willing to put our own lives in danger for the well-being of others and the glory of God's name. It doesn't fit into the category of recklessly endangering ourselves to serve our country as a soldier or as a police officer or all the other tasks that put our own lives in danger. Our faith in eternal life helps us to keep the days that God has ordained for us on the earth in perspective. Life is not so sacred that there never will be a time to kill another person or even to give up our own life. But everything we do is focused on respect and on the promotion of human life that God created. And God gives life to every person so that we can serve our neighbors, so we can do everything we can to, to promote their well-being. And so the Holy Spirit in our hearts, he, he leads us, and this is what we confess, to love our neighbor as ourselves, to show patience, peace, gentleness, mercy, and friendliness toward him, to protect him from harm as much as we can, and to do good even to our enemies. Our Lord Jesus Christ reflected the will of his Father in heaven, who is good to all. His mercy is over all that he has made. Out of love for his neighbor, our Savior, Jesus Christ, he took on our human nature. That's what we celebrate at Christmas time. He did that to give his own life on the cross so that everyone who believes in him might have life. And then John 10, verse 10 says, and to have life abundantly. The division of, of the Christian who follows Christ is, is to give, dedicate your life so that others around you can have abundant life, life abundantly. With his perfect love for all creatures, Christ fulfilled the sixth commandment. And as we recognize how often we fail, dedicating our lives so that others might have life abundantly. We praise the Lord that our Lord Jesus Christ also paid for the guilt of our sins against the sixth commandment. The gospel is that there is forgiveness of sins for everyone who believes in Jesus Christ. We see also our righteousness in Christ as he, as he fulfilled the sixth commandment for everyone who believes in him. And so in him we can again, again enjoy peace with our Father in heaven. That gospel of forgiveness is so beautiful. It's so important for us to understand. We see that in Numbers 35. The cities of refuge they remind us that there is forgiveness when we hate the sins of negligence that we commit against others to harm them. 
There's forgiveness when we're willing to accept the consequences. That's the, the message of the gospel in Numbers 35. And we see that fulfilled in, in Jesus Christ. And this is very good for us to know. For when we start to hear all that the sixth commandment touches on, just think about what you read in Numbers or in Matthew 5. We see how much every one of us here needs that forgiveness. Have you ever read a mystery novel? You know how the author, when it's well written, he takes you through the, 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 all the possible suspects. And you find out it could be anybody. Everyone with these motives, and then he writes down that list, and it's quite a long list. And, and it reminds us that, that murder is not far from any one of us. Especially when we understand the full definition of murder that the church confesses in Lord's Day 40. We ask ourselves, is there anyone who could say that they have never dishonored another person with a mutter, with a rude comment, with a wrong thought? How many times have we forgotten that other drivers are, are made in the image of God and must be respected when you hear that phone ding? How many times have we put our employees in unnecessary danger just to earn a bit more money? Well, unlike the cutthroat social media of our day that holds everyone to every sin that they ever committed against another person, even though it may have happened decades ago in a totally different context, our gracious God is a forgiving God. He shows that our life is a life that can be enjoyed. He promotes human life. Our God does not delight in the downfall of anyone. And with him there is forgiveness. And when we see that forgiveness and it comes over us like that wave of joy as we see what Christ has done for us and in our place, the Spirit leads us to want to love in the same way. To want to allow others to experience that grace from ourselves. It's true. It's true. You have harmed your neighbor. And the gospel is that when you repent, when you hate that sin, when you believe also that Jesus Christ forgives you. The joy leads you to want to dedicate your life to promoting your neighbor's well-being. And who do we mean when we speak about a neighbor? We mean a husband. We mean a wife. We mean a child. We mean a parent. We mean a relative. We mean a, we mean a co-worker, a fellow church member. And we mean the neighbor living next to us. And so what does the promotion of human life look like for you? When the Holy Spirit works obedience to the sixth commandment in our heart, when he gives us the desire to show the same grace and love to those around us, it begins with prayer. 
that the Lord will remove all that anger, all that bitterness, all that hatred from our own hearts. We pray that the Lord will help us to respect other people as we, as we look at them. And you can imagine, who are the people you look at during the day? So that when we look at them, we can see the creator who formed them in his own image behind them. When we look at them, we don't just see that person that did something to me, but we see the creator who made them with a purpose in this world and who put you beside to help them in that. Seeing that big plan, seeing the God who is sovereign over everyone, we will also find that our, the rebellion against God, that hatred against others, the persecution of the church that we see in others around us, you know what, that's more to be pitied than to be feared. It's very sad. It's a very sad thing to see such spiritual blindness, such mindless slavery to the devil's killing will, and such childish hatred against the source of all blessing and all life. And the Spirit leads us in obedience to the Sixth Commandment when He makes us want to promote human life by loving every human being, by, by showing compassion even to the so-called strong oppressors and bullies, praying for the souls of the unconverted, knowing that the gospel is a gospel that grants eternal life and that those who reject it are rejecting eternity with God in peace. And then constantly exemplifying that love of God whose image we bear in the way that we speak and think and talk. And what do we do with the anger that arises in our hearts when we see injustice, when we see violence, cruelty against people who are seeking to kill others. This anger also comes from God. It's not given to crush our spirits, but to motivate us to be leaders in the promotion of human life as God revealed it to us. You see, we live in a very strange time when full-grown babies in the womb are not considered human babies or human beings. So that laws in the criminal code against, code against infanticide, that, that means the killing of babies, these laws are so time-specific that there is a specific law that states, and I'm going to read it, everyone who causes the death in the act of birth of any child that has not become a human being in such a manner that if the child were a human being, he would be guilty of murder, is guilty of an indictable offense and liable to imprisonment for life. It makes no sense. Promoting human life includes exposing 
such strange, such unscientific, such unreasonable, even contradictory views of, of life and human rights. These are tasks that Christians are to be involved in. And don't lose heart, for Christians have a lot in common with any citizen of Canada who, who stops to think about our present definitions of murder in Canada and all that the Lord teaches in his word. We all agree that human life must be protect, pr protected. We just don't all have the same understanding about why God breathed life into all human beings. How we define a human being and how we can truly show love to our neighbors. But God has shown us in his word. He said you shall not murder. He showed us what that looks like and we don't have to be afraid to show true and sincere love by confronting those who have been so blinded by their desire for, for control, for having things their own way, that, that they're willing to sacrifice others to get what they want. We don't have to be ashamed to tell people that God formed them in their mother's womb as a human being with a purpose and a task in this world so they are valuable in his sight. We can show compassion to others by encouraging them to see their, their value in the eyes of the sovereign creator. We can come around them also when they have committed murders to support them, to encourage them, to point them to the forgiveness of sins, to show how God sets them free from that guilt and from that burden. Your neighbors are also human beings, regardless of their race, their religion, their sexual preferences, their social economic standing, or their age. The days of your life that God has given to you are given to you so that you can serve your neighbor to show compassion. So watch over your own life and your own well-being so that you can give your life in self-sacrificial love and an outpouring for other human beings. You see, every human being will live forever. That's why it's so important to believe in Jesus Christ. Be saved from God's wrath and live in eternal peace with your Father in heaven. Amen.